What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. Episode 53. You know what that means, guys. One year in. Feels great. All the way around the sun, man. Oh, yeah. Or, I guess we have. Uh, it's been a fun year. And we're right back where we started, obviously, with week one football talk. Mm-hmm. Chavez is here too. What's up, everybody? Unfortunately, we couldn't get Alex. We tried. We'll try. Okay, we did try. Uh, do you guys want to do the Max Sports Player of the Week first? Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's something new that I added on Twitter. Uh, go check out the Twitter. Uh, as we already said in the, the early, we already plugged it. Uh, a lot of stuff on there. I can promise you I'll be tweeting out during every NFL game except for when the Raiders play. That's the only time when I won't tweet because I'll be locked in. But here was a tweet that who is the Maxwell Sports Player of the Week? There's Tyreek Hill, who had 11 catches, 197 yards, and a touchdown. Kyler Murray, 21 for 32, 309 yards, and five total touchdowns. Chandler Jones, five sacks and two forced fumbles. And Francisco Lindor, who had his three homer, five RBI game versus the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball. There's only eight votes. Uh, I assume there will be more in the future. Uh, Terry Kill had none of them. Kyler Murray had one of them. Francisco Landor had two of them. And the rest of them went to Chandler Jones with a 62.5 percentile of the votes. Well deserved. So he's our inaugural Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. All right. Now on to the, our openers. Let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, we won big in uh, my house as far as football went this weekend. Stanford had one of the biggest upsets they've had in a long time, taking down number 14 USC, 42 to 28. It was Tanner McKee's first start uh, for the Cardinal, and he, he played really well. He outplayed Slovis. Uh, Slovis threw a pick six that kind of iced the game for Stanford. Uh, they were up by four, 42 to 13 at one point before kind of relaxing and letting USC get more yards than they probably should have. Uh, but it was a good win. We will talk more about UFC or not UFC, USC in halftime. But the second part of this is the Raiders, and they played last night in what was just the weirdest and craziest and most insane football game I've seen in a long time. Where there's, it felt like the Raiders won the game like four different times before they actually did win it. Uh, whether it was the Brian Edwards touchdown, whether it. it I mean, Carlson kicking that field goal to send it to OT felt like the Raiders were winning that one. Uh, touchdown to tie it late in the fourth. All those, all those things just were so crazy, and the fact that the Raiders got it done was really big. Uh, and since we have the Raider report after this, I'll get a little bit into that now since we're talking about it. Uh, right. Besides the win, it kind of sucked with the injuries that happened because Gerald McCoy uh, likely out for a while. I know Denzel Good, offensive lineman, is out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, Marcus Mariota had a strained quad coming into last night and he only played one play, uh, cause he, I guess was supposed to play more, uh, and he might have a very significant quad injury. Yannick Ngakwe, probably the biggest free agency signing over the offseason for the Raiders also got hurt and that's expected to be a long time for him as well. So starting to get thin, uh, but at least we got the win and yeah. All right. Well, the best thing that I saw this weekend was the Chiefs-Browns game on Sunday. Cleveland leading the game all the way up until seven minutes left. 
And I've been saying this for the past couple of years, you know, I don't hate Baker Mayfield, but he has a lot of similarities to Mark Sanchez where he's great until he has to take over a game. Those last three drives for Cleveland after they lost the lead, three and out, three and out interception. And that's just not going to get it done. Uh, I think Cleveland will be a great regular season team this year. Even in my my pick for uh, AFC champion last week, I have the Browns. But he's got to fix himself, man, if they want to have a chance. For me, I'm going college football. Obviously, love seeing the Niners get into them a bit more in a minute. But for me, I'm going college football. Uh, my Oregon Ducks, number 12 or 11, I believe, going into week. Walked into number three, Ohio State. Came away with a big dub. C. Jeverdell, I believe, 197 yards. Total offense, three touchdowns. Got close at the end. Got a little nervous. Ohio State made a little comeback. But Oregon finished the game with an interception. Iced it. And now back to Skyler for the Jet Report. All right. Uh, so the Jets lost 19-14 to 14 to the Panthers. Uh, former quarterback. Sam Darnold starting for the Panthers. I guess I'll start with the defense here. We faced the same old Sam Darnold. He fumbled on the goal line, looked overwhelmed, except for one good pass to Robbie Anderson over the middle. And other than that, our secondary played great. You know, we had the backup, I guess, third string safety. Sheldon Red Redwine came in the game for one snap and gave up the touchdown, which is tough. Uh, but I think the difference here is Christian McCaffrey averaged 10 yards per catch on the checkdowns. Instead of, you know, Frank Gore's two yards per catch last year Um, for the offense, Zach Wilson was running for his life. But I think he settled down a little bit after two and a half quarters, which seems to be, uh, you know, a a reasonable time for a rookie quarterback. Uh, He was zipping the ball around after that. Makai Becton got hurt. He's out four to six weeks and the O-line will be very bad. But I think Wilson likes a little bit of chaos if he doesn't get hit as much. He'll be all right this year. Yeah, um, go, I'll, I'll take it into the Niners following Skylar's report there. But for the Niners, it was a win over the pretty – who I assumed was going to be pretty bad Detroit Lions. Detroit actually looked better than I assumed going into the week. The Niners at one point were up 38-10. to 10. I believe it ended up being a 41-33 victory, I believe was the, mm-hmm. the final score. The offense looked great. Jimmy Garoppolo with maybe his best game in over two years. Debo Samuel had almost 190 receiving yards on, I believe, 10 10 targets and like eight catches, somewhere around that area. But, I mean, the biggest takeaway from this game, while it was a win, it it felt like a loss. The loss of Jason Brett, torn ACL for a season, and now starting running back for him, Mostert, with a chip piece of cartilage in his knee, which he is uh, elected to get season-ending surgery on. Those are two huge losses. Verrett is possibly the most important member of our defense, minus Nick Bosa. That's even over Fred Warner, who is an all-pro. So, while it does feel good to come away with the W, offense look good. Elijah Mitchell came in for Raheem Mostert. It's definitely, it's definitely a loss for the Niners. It's funny how our three teams, we had the near comeback with the Jets, the near choke with the Niners, and the team that pulled it off, the Raiders. Come back, mm-hmm. W. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing before we go into where's your head at? Uh, I feel like we all, I don't know how we kind of forgot about it, but in the opener, we didn't even mention Francisco Lindor. We talked about it in uh, the the question or not the question, the Max Sports Player of the Week, but Fran, mm-hmm. what Francisco Lindor did, I think, Amazing. was probably 
uh, the best thing that we all kind of saw in this yeah. past week with a three homer game against the Yankees. We're not Mets fans, but we were going crazy in our group chats because uh, what he did three homer game and that last one coming in such a big spot with all the little beef that was going on between the Yankees and the Mets is it was really cool to see. Uh, but now let's talk about week one. The first thing that we're going to talk about is the Packers. How could we not? I mean, I, I tried to form this into a question because there's so many things that just didn't look right with them, whether it was the defense, whether it was the offense, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams just didn't have their usual connection, even though Devontae still had about 60 yards in that game. So I just what what's wrong with the Packers and who are they? I think we're seeing what happens when your best players don't show up for eight, nine months. I'm willing to bet this will not happen again this entire year. If it does, we'll be having a whole another conversation. But right now, I'm just going to chalk it up as they weren't ready for week one. And I think they're going to kick the crap out of the Lions next week. Uh, I, I do agree. I think the Lions are probably in for one this week. But I, I think it was just a little lack of motivation in a sense. I know Rodgers was very disgruntled about how this offseason went. Uh, reports came out that he wanted out, wasn't able to get out. I just think he came into this week not caring that much really about Packer football. Uh, don't think it was really Devonta Adams' problem. And what Skyler didn't mention was the defense didn't look very good either, mm-hmm. but the offense you know, didn't give him a lot of time to rest. The Saints had the ball a lot. We were able to move it. Kamara, Winston looked good. I, I, I don't think it happens again, but if it does, then there's definitely reason for concern. I think – what Rodgers kind of did, uh, I think it was less Devontae, uh, obviously, too, because Devontae actually can only really have a good game unless Rodgers has a good game, too. Uh, but Rodgers kind of kind of showed Green Bay, like, oh, like, if I'm not – if I'm not there, you guys are screwed type thing. Like, you guys mm-hmm. need me, and if I'm just going to mail it in, then this is what's going to happen – but this is a one-time occurrence for Green Bay, and I wouldn't be 100% shocked if they still end up winning their division and going 12-5 and five or 13-4 and four and go on some crazy run because Pack- the Packers have a game like this every single year where they just, they just look shitty and we're like, what is wrong with the Packers? How are they going to rebound? Flash and then it ends up being the same thing every single year. It's, oh, Aaron Rodgers just he had an off week. And then next thing you know, he's donning up the best defense is the NFL. Like it's absolutely nothing. And I think we're going to see that next week. I mean, not the best defense in the NFL with the lions, but he can probably mail it in in that game and still win by 30 points with how the lions defense is so far this season. All right. On to the next one. Uh, we're leaving the Packers out of this one because this was too obvious. If we didn't do that one, uh, who had the worst loss in week one besides the green Bay Packers? All right. I'm going to go with the Cowboys, not because they weren't ready like the Packers were, weren't effective like some other teams. It's because they were in this game until the end. Uh, Dak was going, man, drive for drive with Tom Brady. But when you lose a game because of your kicker, that is so degrading to the entire organization. And that's going to be a rough one to come back from. For me, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. They came in pretty heavy favorites against what's honestly a pretty good Pittsburgh Steelers team. But Buffalo's expectations this year are absolutely massive. They're a team that believes can compete for not only an AFC championship with the Browns and Chiefs, but also possibly a Super Bowl or at least an appearance. 
And their offense just wasn't able to really do anything against what is a very stout Pittsburgh defense. But Josh Allen looks kind of confused, almost like his rookie self. So I expect them to bounce back, but I think that's a pretty bad week one loss for the Buffalo Bills. I'm going with the Titans, another uh, AFC playoff team of last year, just like the Bills. And it's it's kind of weird because going into the, this week, we all kind of ha- we slightly had this game circled as, hey, this is going to be a fun one to watch, especially in that 10 a.m. window. It still was. Two high-powered offenses, <laughs> uh, two defenses that really haven't really proven anything. And we were going to see Derrick Henry. We we're going to see Julio Jones. And then we're going to see Kyler Murray and see DeAndre Hopkins just go back and forth the whole game. And the Cardinals did that. I mean, Kyler went off. Kyler went, had one of the best games of his career. Uh, Hopkins did what he normally does, catch the ball a lot and get in the end zone a couple times. And Tennessee just didn't. And they couldn't stop the Cardinals. They got off to a slow start on offense, down 24 to 6 at halftime. And by the time the third quarter was over, they're down 38 to to 13 and that's what the final score was so I gotta go to the Titans here we we expected a lot from Julio he didn't do anything I'll talk about him more uh in the future but we just didn't see anything from the Titans and I don't really think there's any one big <coughs> sorry excuse me one thing that we saw that you can like come out as a positive from this game for the Titans because they also miss kicks too and that was one of the big things that was a problem for them last year was their their field goal kicking All right, let's talk more about that game. Uh, The Cardinals won, Titans lost, obviously. What is more like indicative of the future of that season? Is that Titans loss going to explain their season more, or is this Cardinals win going to explain their season more? People were asking me all week long why I picked Arizona to win this game. Um, I had a feeling the defense would be too fast to contain, and uh, that was correct. You know, uh, this says more about Arizona. I think this game was a statement saying, bring on Stafford, bring on Wilson, bring on the Shanahan West Coast. We're coming for you guys this year. We're going to be faster and smarter than you. Uh, I'm going to agree with Skyler here. I think this was much more indicative of the Cardinals. I, I think the Cardinals are a very good football team. Chandler Jones coming back off of injury from last year, recorded five sacks. J.J. Watt, even if they get, you know, it's not going to be prime J.J. Watt, but even a decent J.J. Watt. They got Buda Baker. They have a decent secondary. That defense, I think, is going to be better than what people give it credit for, or at least coming into the season. It won't be a top defense, but with that high-powered offense, it doesn't need to be a top defense for that team to win games. Tennessee is in a weaker division than the Cardinals, so I think I mean, I think, t- I think Tennessee's still going to be a playoff team where the Cardinals are going to have to scrap for every win they can to be competitive in that NL West. So I think this is more indicative of the Cardinals. Yeah, it's true. The Cardinals in the NL West are going to be crazy. Oh, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> NFC West. It's all good. I, I'll give you a break because you said the Cardinals and they do play baseball. But if you yeah, said I got, I got or something. baseball in the mind, I'm watching the A's game. There we go. Uh, I I have to go the opposite side. I think this this Titans team is going to disappoint this year, unfortunately. And that kind of sucks because I, I really enjoy watching the Titans. Derrick Henry is one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Same thing with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. But, man, does this schedule get tough because of the first-place schedule that they have to play. That means they got to play the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Ravens. No, the Steelers. Uh, and they play the NFC West this year. So they have the Seahawks this week. 
They have the Colts the week after that. Uh, they get they get two kind of bye weeks with the Jets and the Jags. But after that, you got the Bills and the Chiefs, and then the Colts, and then the Rams, and then the Saints. I, like you have I a think very we have them Thursday night football late in the year too. Yeah, and there's just there's a good chance that the Titans go into Week Nine, Week Ten with three wins. Like, and that's not going to get it done when there's a team like the Colts in your division. I mean, that's all there is in that division. Uh, the Jags and the Texans aren't going to be shit. But the Colts are going to run away with this thing if they, they tighten start off three and seven or three and six, whatever it is. So it's a tough start for the Titans. I don't think they can bounce back, unfortunately. So we talked about who had the worst loss. Now let's go to had the best win or impressed mm. you the most. And uh, Skelly, you go first. All right. I'm going to go with the Eagles. I know Atlanta isn't anything special, but Nick Sirianni's play calling was fast and simple, and that's going to limit mistakes for Jalen Hurts. He's finding ways to use Jalen Rieger and Kenny Gainwell that, uh, you know, if Doug Peterson was there, he would not. And I, I don't think, again, that the Eagles are a special team either, but I had them as one of the worst teams coming into this year, and what I've seen so far is, uh, is promising. For me, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. We've talked about this Packers-Saints game. absolute blowout. Well, the Saints aren't a bad team. Many people didn't have the Saints coming into this year you know, as highly touted as you have as you have had them in years past. Drew Brees is gone. A uh, little bit of a question at the quarterback position. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston obviously had the camp battle. But while the Packers did shoot themselves in the foot, Aaron Rodgers did not good. The Saints took advantage of every opportunity they had. Jameis Winston was efficient with the ball, didn't turn the ball over, got the ball to his playmakers. Jawan Johnson, I mm-hmm. believe, the tight end. Uh, two touchdown catches, two very nice catches, or at least one nice catch with a jump ball in the end zone. Defense played well, made Rodgers. I think Rodgers wasn't motivated, like I said earlier, but obviously did enough to confuse him at least. I believe two interceptions. So Saints, Saints impressed me week one. I'm going with the team that lost, which is kind of a weird thing to say when you're impressed or surprised about a team. I'm going with the Lions, and that's because their their comeback that they nearly made on the Niners. They're down like 41-13 or something like that in that 10. game. And they just, like you would think, they're the Lions. I mean, we kind of already know that they're not going to compete for a big spot. They're not – they don't have a very exciting team, and then – you think, oh, they just mail it in, bring it back up quarterback, take all their starters out. But no, I mean, the Niners did take their starters out, so it was quite easy for the Lions to score. But they did it, and they made it a game. And I know there was some choking going on by the Niners more than the Lions, uh, actually like really putting themselves into the game. But they made that a game, and they're going to be a team that probably has a couple very big surprises this year as far as uh, some upsets. Uh, maybe a divisional game. I don't think they're taking down the Packers this week, uh, but they can they can beat the Bears a couple times. Or I don't I'm not sure what division uh, that that division is playing Vikings. this year. But uh, what what division do the Lions play? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, looks like they play your Yeah, of course. Um, I obviously I watched the whole game. The Lions' running game was actually what really impressed me. They were able to pound the ball. 
against a very good Niners defensive line. Niners were missing Javon Kinlaw up the middle, but they moved around Zach Kerr and were able to pound it right down the teeth of that 49ers defense with Swift and uh, Jamal Williams. Yeah, so they play your guys' uh, division, obviously. And then they also play – wait, do they play your guys' division? Oh, yeah, they do. Okay. And then they also play the AFC South or North, whatever it is, the one that has the Steelers, Browns, uh, Ravens. North. And they could can, they can surprise the team out of there, maybe the Steelers or something like that. So I'll go with them. But that's going to take us to halftime. Uh, more right. football at, at halftime. A little bit of baseball in the second half before we get to our bets. But we'll see you then. Welcome to halftime. We're going to start it off with going over our picks, our game picks for week one of the NFL. I take home the crown, 63%, 10 out of 16, right? It's uh, always rough week one. Uh, And the rest of the guys, Kyle, Brett, Alex, all finish 8 for 16, 50%. But uh, they're coming for me now. They have a chip on their shoulder, and it should be interesting. Yeah, Yeah, this is motivation. Yeah, it helped that I, me and Alex got that Monday night pick right, picking the Raiders. Uh, you guys want to go over those games? Yeah, sure. So, Cowboys and the Buccaneers Thursday night. Good, very, very good game. Dak went off, but wasn't enough because Brady and the bunch uh, just got the job done with the game winning field goal. Eagles, Falcons, 32 to 6. Eagles win. Jalen Hurts plays well. Uh, Matt Ryan doesn't really do much. Uh, Devonta Smith, Miles Sanders, uh, big contributors on that Philadelphia offense. Uh, Steelers, Bills, a big win for the Steelers in Buffalo. Josh Allen for TJ. doesn't play that bad. And it looks like Ben Roethlisberger it didn't really do that good, but he's a slim got the job now. done. He didn't need uh, to. Vikings, Bengals, very good game. That went down to the final seconds of OT. Kirk Cousins played pretty good. Joe Mixon uh, actually played pretty good. And then Jamar Chase was the leading receiver in that game with yeah. five receptions and 101 He's yards. He's like, bitch, I was just kidding. I know how to catch. Yeah. Exactly. Niners, Lions. Niners win 41-33. We already talked about that one. Cardinals, Titans. Cardinals win 38-13. We already talked about that one. Uh, very good game uh, on paper going into it was Seahawks Colts ended up not being that good of a game, but Russell Wilson went off 18 for 23, 254 and two and four touchdowns. Uh, so good day for Seattle's offense there as they beat the Colts chargers and Washington football team chargers went 20 to 16 Herbert throws the ball 47 times uh, for 337 yards. Tony Gibson has a good game. Uh, that's about it. They're, Pretty boring game there, though. Uh, Jets-Panthers, we already talked about that. Panthers won 19-14. Jets-Texans, first game for Trevor Lawrence, was kind of how we expected in the way that he was going to be a gunslinger. Uh, but the defense didn't help him at all. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 51, 332 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. How about Tyrod uh, Taylor, the ultimate bridge? Yeah, I mean, poor dude in some ways, but, I mean, at least he has a job. Browns, Chiefs, Mahomes, and the offense just looked unstoppable. 337 yards and three touchdowns for Patty. Uh, Nick Chubb, very good on the ground for the the Browns, except for his costly fumble. Dolphins beat 
the Patriots in New England, 17 to 16, pretty boring game. Mac Jones did look pretty good though. in his first one, uh, only having 10 incomplete passes and 39 tries, uh, and having 281 yards. Packers saints. We talked about that 38 to three route for the saints. Broncos go into where the Jets play, but didn't play the Jets and beat the Giants 27 to 13. Daniel Jones was the leading passer in that game, yet he did not look that good. Defense uh, is good Rams, for Denver. That's true. Rams, Bears, Rams. I mean, Matthew Stafford in that offense looks very, very scary. Uh, we only saw a couple plays of fields, I believe. I'm not too sure how many snaps he had. Mm-hmm. Uh but still Dalton at the helm for them. And then the Raiders and the Ravens talked about that one. Raiders pull out an OT 33 to 27. All right. So we talked about some of the teams that impressed and disappointed. Now I want to talk about a player that impressed me. Uh, I originally had Chandler Jones. I didn't think we were going to, uh, you know, talk a lot about him, but you know, Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. We had to talk about him. True. Obviously, five sacks. Uh, he only played five games last year. This is a big statement for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also got to shout out Corey Davis. Two touchdowns helped out the rookie quarterback. Uh, yeah, I had a couple guys. James Winston talked about him earlier. Very. He didn't turn the ball over, which I think was the biggest thing for Jameis Winston. He Mm -hmm. didn't throw for over 200 yards, I believe. He did throw for five touchdowns, but he did what he needed to do. He took what the defense gave him. And another guy, Debo Samuels, 189 yards, touchdown, eight receptions. He was a threat downfield, which is something we haven't seen Debo do in years past. He's normally been a behind-the-line scrimmage, uh, yards-after-catch guy. And a guy that disappointed me was his counterpart, Brandon Ayuk, not even a single target. Did come in with a bit of a hamstring issue, I think. Only had half the snaps. But for him to not get a single target or reception after the year he had last year is pretty disappointing as a Niner fan. I have a couple guys that impressed me, one of them being Jamar Chase. Uh, we had that whole thing in the last few weeks of him not seeing the ball in the NFL because they don't have the white strips on it like they do in college. Uh, but he played well, had a long 50-yard touchdown. And with T Higgins now being out for the Bengals, a guy that could be pretty useful in fantasy, depending on how the Bengals O-line holds up. Noah Fant was a guy that impressed me a little bit. Uh, Six catches, 62 yards, nothing crazy, uh, but this is a big year for Noah Fant. We've seen a third year for tight ends be a big year in previous times. And so this is is his chance uh, with that. And then David Montgomery was the last guy that impressed me. He had a couple big carries against the Rams defense. Very, very good defense as well, and was pretty much the only bright spot uh, for the Bears on on Sunday night. And a guy that did not impress me at all was Julio Jones. Only had three catches, had a personal uh, foul that called, made it a third and one to third and 16. And I guess he's in the doghouse for Mike Vrabel. And that's another thing that just doesn't make the Titans good to me. So mm-hmm. there is that. And now Skyler's got you with the week one injuries. All right. Well, I, I do have a disappointment player I want oh, to I talk about. Oh, shit. Yeah, my bad. I do. Uh, it's all good. It's just just want to talk about Tua Tungavailoa. Man, uh, I know he's been he's been getting the heat all over the news, social media, whatever. But 200 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And he got completely bailed out by the defense. If Damian Harris doesn't fumble in his territory on the last drive of the game, 
we're having a completely different conversation about Tua. And uh, it's not looking good for him. Um, Tua, uh, yeah, he didn't have a good game, but that's kind of what I expect from Tua at this point. Like, I didn't really think he he showed much in his first year. And there's like the if factor about certain guys that you see in the NFL. I think Justin Herbert has that it factor. I'm not quite sure if Burrow does. Jalen Hurts kind of on the same page, but I'm not really too sure. But you can just look at Tua, watch how he plays, and he just doesn't have the big play it factor. Like Lamar Jackson is a very good example of a guy that has the it factor. Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Kyler Murray. Yeah, those dudes have it. And they have the play where they can get a touchdown at any single time if you just look down for, for one play. But Tua doesn't have that. Tua's like, oh, if you look down, you might you might see a seven-yard gain. Uh, but you're not going to see anything more over 20 yards. Yeah. All right. We good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so week one's exciting, of course, but uh, there's always a lot of big injuries week one. Guys aren't uh, stretched out or whatever. They aren't uh, feeling themselves because they didn't play a lot in preseason. You know what I mean? So uh, that's always tough. Uh, I'll start with the Niners. I'm sorry, Brett. Uh, Raheem Mostert out for the year with the knee injury. Jason Barrett out for the year with the torn ACL again. That's tough. Any comments? Um, mostly about Jason Barrett. I, just, I feel awful for the guy. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys saw the video of him mm-hmm. uh, walking off the field. Just tears. This is a guy who's already missed three seasons with a uh, – ACLs and Achilles injuries came in dealing with the foot issue. It's just not, not even as like a football, but just like as a human being, it sucks to see a guy like that go down high character guy liked in the clubhouse came back on a cheap deal to prove it. And unfortunately he's probably not going to get that big deal after this. So mm-hmm. feel bad for him. You've signed Josh Norman, Drake Kirkpatrick to try to replace him. Not really worried. I mean, obviously I feel the same about most but not quite as worried just because I feel like I could be good in a Kyle Shanahan running system. It's just kind of how it is. Like we're, we're going to have next guy up at running back, but Jason Wright's a big loss. Running backs grow on trees in yeah. San Francisco is kind of the thing that I feel like Brett was getting at. And I, I mean, I, I, the running back core is very, very young for the Niners. Now. Yeah. I know carry on Johnson got signed to the practice squad today, but Elijah Mitchell, Michael hasty, and Trey Sermon is a pretty exciting running court. You, you don't really know what you're going to get from them, but uh, you know you're going to get a lot of yards. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell, who came in and was actually a surprise lead back once, you know, Mostert went down. He's he's like a carbon cut of Mostert. Very similar player. Runs, I think, high four threes or low four fours, like speed guys. He's going to be good in our system. Sermon, I expect to be more involved, and Hasty will be guy who can catch passes out of the backfield. All right. Uh, the other big year-long injury that we haven't talked about yet, that's Jeff Akuda for the Lions, former top five pick, tore his Achilles after the year. That one sucks. Um, tough, but he did not look good in last year or the, the first game this year. Either, yeah. It isn't good. But uh, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick with the hip injury out four to six weeks. They're going to roll with Taylor Henneke for now. Uh, Jerry Judy from the Broncos carted off with a high ankle sprain. That's never that good. That looked a lot worse than what it actually was. I felt like he might have broken a bone there, but I wouldn't say lucky he has a high ankle sprain, but a lot better than the alternative. 
Yeah. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore uh, will require surgery for his thumb after signing that big contract. Yeah. Must have struggled signing it. I mean, honestly, how do you sign something with a broken thumb? (laughs) That is true. And, you know, there's, there are so many injuries. Uh, We could have our own episode about injuries. I'll leave it off at there though. Uh, If your favorite player got hurt and is questionable for next week, I'm sorry, but we got to move on. All right. It was uh, an interesting college football week, to say the least. Uh, I want to talk about some of the notable games. Brett brought up the Oregon-Ohio State game, his team with the big upset, 35-28. C.J. Verdell ran all over the Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud, great game, but it wasn't enough. Anything else for that no, one? That's that's what it from that game. Yeah, oh, I would like to mention Oregon was out with Justin Flo and Kayvon Dibble. Thibodeau? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Thibodeau. Uh, Thibodeau, probably a top five pick this year's draft. Flow, amazing linebacker prospect. So just makes the win that much more impressive. All right. The next game, it was number 10 Iowa beating number nine Iowa State at Iowa State. That's a big one. Iowa with the great O line, the great D line. They shut down Bryce Hall. Brees Hall. Sorry. Bryce Hall's on the Jets. Brees Hall, the running back, and Brock Purdy threw three picks. Uh, Iowa's dangerous, guys. All right, and uh, next game, man, Arkansas with a big upset over number wow. 15, Texas, 40-21. Mm-hmm. to 21. Harrison Curd, the freshman, he looked pretty interesting. Like he, I don't know, maybe just needed some more time and he could break out 61 passing yards this game. Bijan Robinson didn't touch the ball enough, and uh, they got blown out by Arkansas. Texas is not back. And this last Definitely game I want to talk about, this is all you, Kyle. Go ahead, man. Oh shit! I was prepared for you to oh, talk about it, but this was this was a very very fun game. I I looked down for a couple of plays, and next thing I knew, Nathaniel Pete was having an 87 yard touchdown to give Stanford the lead in the first quarter. Uh, it was going back and forth in the early half, and the third quarter was all Stanford. Man, they didn't do a thing wrong in the, in the third quarter or the fourth. Uh, it was a very fun game. Davis Mills was very good last year. And I knew Tanner McKee was on the bench, but I wanted him to come in. I wanted him to come in because I knew this guy was he was right behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields coming out of high school. He had his he had his two year mission, uh, which kind of delayed that. But he was right there with those guys uh, as far as pocket passers go. in The 2018 uh, high school class and now seeing him. I mean, I have no reason to say that Stanford won't be ranked by the end of the year. They got a couple of votes uh for the ap poll and the manager's poll or coach's poll whatever it is yeah uh this week obviously the loss to k-state two weeks ago doesn't help at all for this but they got a very big chance to if they win some their next two three games then they're definitely going to be in the ranking because after vanderbilt this week they have ucla and then oregon after that yeah all right. Sorry for putting you on the spot. I actually oh, didn't dude. watch this game. I was watching a D3 game instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we're back for the Heisman watch for week three. Um, I will start with the honorable mentions. I'll tell you if the stock is up or down. I'll start it off with Bijan Robinson with the last honorable mention here. Stock is down. He just didn't touch the ball enough this game against Arkansas, which you can't blame him. Uh, you know, if you stack the box against Bijan Robinson, you got to change something. Quarterback at 61 passing yards. Uh, there's just nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mention, stock staying the same as Desmond Ritter. Another great week uh, against a bad team. We'll see next week and the week after that for sure. Um, he's got Indiana and then Notre Dame. Those should be some fun games. 
Um, and then the last honorable mention spot, it's going to Kyle Hamilton. He drops down one spot. I don't know if it's, you know, deserving of a stock down. He did have a great week to run stuffs, but uh, the quarterbacks in this nation right now, the it's nation of the United him. States, it, it, their stocks are rising. And there's one other guy in the five spot here I want to talk about. All right. Number five with the double stock up. It's Kenneth Walker, Michigan State running back, 321 yards, five touchdowns this year, 30 carries, 11 yards per carry. That's a lot. That's a lot of carries. Yards um, per carry. That's <laughs> the yards per carry. Sorry. And uh, Michigan State, again, hasn't uh, – they played um, an FCS team last week, but uh, we got to keep our eye on Kenneth Walker, so I put him in the five spot. Number four with the stock up, it's Spencer Rattler. Uh, they played Western Carolina, destroyed them, five touchdowns, no interceptions. And uh, for Spencer Radler, it's just about not making mistakes. If he makes less mistakes, he moves up the stock board. True. All right. Number three, another stock up. It's going to be Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Five touchdowns, no interceptions against uh, Austin P this year. Keep an eye on him. He's playing at Bama in two weeks. Number two, we'll maybe surprising. C.J. Stroud with the stock up. Uh, loss at Oregon is tough, but he had 484 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, I don't think Ohio State's done this year. I feel that every team other than Bama has a chance to completely choke this season. So I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if we see him back in the four spot. And that's extra games for him, extra Heisman stock. And number one, staying the same, it's Bryce Young. He has seven touchdowns, no picks this year so far. The win against Mercer, he didn't have to do anything. Um, can't wait to see him play a good defense. Yeah. AP pool time now, yeah. Skyler. I know Skyler doesn't like this. I really don't know what Brett's feelings are about it. But let's get into it. It's all we have for now, right? Teams. We're not doing every single team, but we'll, yeah. we'll give the notables. 25 spot, Michigan. Shout out to Alex. Uh, 23 spot BYU. Uh, Michigan and BYU, first time in the ranking this year. Yeah. Uh, they're 2-0. Good for them. Bouncing back well after the loss to Zach Wilson. Arkansas, number 20 after the big win against Texas. Uh, Arizona State, uh, four spots to 19 as they are 2-0. Ole Miss, up three spots to 17. Virginia Tech up four spots to 15. Iowa State with the bad loss to Iowa down five spots to number 14. Uh, Notre Dame, even though they won, go down four spots to number 12. Uh, Florida up a couple spots to 11. Penn State to 10. Ohio State after their bad loss go down six spots. So I, I thought it was a little bit crazy to number four. Uh, Cincinnati goes down one spot to one or to, to eight. Uh, Texas A&M goes down two spots to seven. Clemson stays the same at six. Iowa goes up five spots to number five, a big leap there. Oregon goes up eight spots after the big win against Ohio State to number four. Oklahoma goes up one to number three. And then Georgia and Bama stay the same because they didn't lose. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap up the halftime. Thanks for your help, boys. Of course. On to the second half, and we're talking a little bit of baseball before we get on to our bets. It's going to be a relatively short second half, but we're talking about 
the Blue Jays first, and they are extremely hot as we get into uh, September baseball here. Let me just let's look at the Blue Jays games the last few uh, few nights. I know they lost yesterday to the the Blue Jays or not the Blue Jays to the to the Rays, but before that, eight to one win against the Orioles, twenty two to seven win over the Orioles, eleven to two win over the Orioles, eleven to ten win over the Orioles. They lost to the Orioles on Friday night, uh, and four game sweep over the Yankees before that, three game sweep over the A's before that. These dudes are scoring so many runs, and mm-hmm. it is scary. Uh, they sit in the number one wild card spot right now, kind of out of nowhere. But do they have what it takes to be that threat team that can knock off Houston, that can knock off the White Sox, that can knock off the Rays in uh, the AL playoffs? You know, everything about this team right now is perfect for the playoffs. You got guys batting one through nine, guys we've never heard of, stepping up, delivering with three RBI games. You know, and the pitching staff is great right now, too. I think it is possible. I'm not going to count them out. Uh, There's a big series against New York to end the season. I think that'll be the real tell there, especially if they get that home game for the wild card. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm I'm excited to watch some Blue Jays because, you know, as of right now, it's not looking like our A's are going to be in there. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for the Brewers this postseason, but I'm, uh, I'm not upset, you know, with the Blue Jays succeeding. Of course. I think if the Blue Jays are able to stay, they have to stay hot. I, I think is what I'm trying to say. They don't need to necessarily be this hot where, you know, putting up 22 runs against, you know, the Orioles or, you know, 10 a game. But after Robbie Ray, that pitching is a little suspect to me still, especially come, you know, postseason. And most likely I think it's going to be Jays, Yankees in a wild card game. Uh, they got to, they got to face Garrett Cole. Uh, Robbie mm-hmm. Ray's going to have to face Garrett Cole. And I think if they were able to win that game, they're going to have most likely dated against the Rays, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see them beating the Rays is what I'm getting. I think the Rays are the best team in the AL. I think if they were able to face the Astros or maybe the White Sox and that lineup still as hot as it is, then they have a chance. But the Rays are too good. The bullpen's too good. Kevin Cash is too good. I just <laughs> don't see them making it past the Rays. It's it's very very weird in the AL playoffs because you when you think of powerhouse in the AL right now you think of Houston and Chicago those are two teams that have been the number one uh, spot in their division for a long time most of the season but they're not even the best team in the AL and that's uh, Tampa Bay and they've just they've gone crazy this whole year and that I think it's the exact same thing that Brett was saying you can make it to the wild card game you can obliterate the Yankees if you want to. But the Rays just do, they do every little thing better than every other team, except for maybe the Giants and the Dodgers. And that's where I think it ends for the Blue Jays. Scherzer. Scherzer, 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 Scherzer. He has been amazing as a Dodger. I think he's allowed five earned runs and eight starts. He's 6-0 with a 0-8-8 ERA. Uh, 72 strikeouts and 51 innings. I think the stat is, and he got 3000 Ks over the weekend and he took a perfect game into the eighth inning of that one. Where does he rank in this era of pitchers? So to start it off, we haven't done uh, player of the week in a couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Scherzer wins the award both weeks for me, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, 
it is tough to say this because he's been so great, but he's in the three spot for me. He's just behind Kershaw and Verlander. The interesting thing about this generation of pitching is, you know, he, obviously he's, he's better than Zach Greinke, Felix Hernandez, Adam Wainwright, but he, his career interlaps with guys like Roy Halladay, CC Sabathia, because we're seeing it now. These pitchers of this generation can still be elite in mm-hmm. their mid to late thirties, which is, like I said, it's, it's interesting to uh, loop him and with like a guy like Roy Halladay, who's already in the hall of fame, but uh, that's where he's at, which is, is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I have him in the two spot. I have him behind Kershaw. I mean, when Kershaw was in his prime, I've never in my lifetime, only seen mm. a pitcher quite as dominant. I think I'd have Verlander ahead of him if, you know, Scherzer didn't get their World Series, just all-time ranking. But Scherzer's been model of consistency for I don't know how many years now across, you know, whatever team he's been on, whether it's been Detroit, Nationals, and now the Dodgers. Don't really remember how he was with the Diamondbacks early in his career, but that, that Probably not much as important. Yeah. Scherzer, I mean, I don't know how old the dude is, but he's still crazy dominant, so I got him in the two spot. There is five pitchers that really come to mind for me in this in this like group of top top tier pitchers. There's Felix, uh, there's Degrom, there's Scherzer, there's Kershaw, and there's Verlander. And I was just looking at the ages of the guys, and besides Degrom, Felix Hernandez is like three years younger than than a good amount of these guys. Uh, I'm not sure what Kershaw's age is. I think he's probably 34. I was going to say 35, but he's around. He is 33. So him and Degrom are the same age. Uh, So I go Kershaw one. I go Verlander two. Prime Verlander was there was nothing like it. It was crazy, man. Prime Kershaw was just like it. oh I know I I'm, yeah I understand I just mean the, like velocity wise I go Degrom three with how good he is whenever he's pitching like it doesn't matter if he's a hundred percent healthy if he's pitching he is absolutely dominant and I think he has the lowest he has something like the lowest like qualified ERA out of starters in their career or something like that. And then I go Scherzer, which is kind of tough because I, I it's a little hard on Scherzer because Degrom hasn't been around as long as Scherzer has. But when you're as good as as a guy like Degrom, like it's he has stuff that we just haven't seen before. Like he he has a 95 mile an hour slider and he has a fastball that can touch 103 if he really really wanted to. And while Max Scherzer is the most psychopath of baseball. DeGrom is the freak of nature of baseball. And so I'm going with Scherzer at four. I think I, I I didn't include DeGrom. I, yeah, I had a similar feeling. I think I put DeGrom at four just because, well, when he is healthy, he's, he might be the best of any of them besides maybe prime Kershaw. He just hasn't done enough to me career. You know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy enough. I think mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to get at. So I think when he's Scherzer's age, we'll be having a similar conversation. He obviously won't have the cumulative stats that Scherzer has, but uh, yeah, and no World Series, which hurts. But you know, yeah, it's it the reason why I wanted to include Degrom in this, even though he had a, a like a late start kind of in his career, was that him and Degrom was or him and uh, 
Kershaw are the exact same age. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have even guessed that. So. And so it's it's weird to think. I feel like that's also kind of the part of Kershaw being around for so long and being mm-hmm. so good at such a young age. Like Kershaw came up in 2008, and DeGrom didn't reach the big leagues until 2014. So by the time in 2014, Kershaw had already won three Cy Youngs, an MVP, four-time All-Star. It's, it's tough. But uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame careers, I think, for all of them, once it's all said and done. Mm. Maybe maybe I want the Grom to get, but I don't know if he will because of just the pure like amount statistically. Healthy, yeah. yeah, that's true. Felix is a Hall of Famer, right? Felix, well, let's take a look. I, I think While Felix should be a Hall of Famer. Here. Felix Hernandez. I was looking at his stats earlier Watching today. him dominate the A's for all those years. I feel like he should be. Cy Young, six-time All-Star, uh, only 35 years old, which is kind of weird to think because I feel like he, he was pitching when he was 19 in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, he has 2,500 strikeouts. Wins don't matter that much, I guess, in a sense nowadays, but he still has 169 wins. Uh a six-time all-star kind of surprises me. I thought there'd be more in there. Uh, but he had a couple of really good seasons where he wasn't an all-star for whatever reason. But he also fell off. He fell off hard he in did. 2018, 2019. And so it's very hard to just, like, put a guy like Felix in, in the Hall of Fame when there's been so many good pitchers that, that haven't gotten in. Mm-hmm. All righty. Time for the bets, and let's get on out of here. Uh, Brett wasn't here last week, so we don't have his bets, obviously, uh, for layups. I got mine right. Skyler didn't. I had Niners seven and a half, uh, at Detroit. That was the line on Tuesday. The line at game time was eight and a half or nine. So luckily I chose mine when I did, cause that got it, but eight and a half or nine did not. Skyler had green Bay minus four at New Orleans. Green Bay owes me one, man. Yeah, that was one. that was <laughs> they didn't even try. Possibly the farthest off I think we've ever seen a bet. Uh but this week Denver gets a bye week. They get to play Jacksonville. Uh good defense for Denver might not bode well with Jacksonville's offense. And uh even though Denver doesn't have a good offense, uh it's still gonna look good against Jacksonville's defense. And so I have minus six for Denver. All right, I'm going Kansas City minus three and a half at Baltimore. Mahomes has never lost in September. All right, mm-hmm. Baltimore's dealing with a lot of injuries too, not to mention that. Um, I think Kansas City is going to be just fine in Baltimore. I normally don't like taking the Niners in any bet as I feel like I might jinx it one or the other, but I think we're going to come up very motivated after the way that Detroit game ended. It's only a three and a half point favorite over the Eagles. I think we'll cover that. On to the lay or not the layups, the bold predictions. Uh, where I got mine right or wrong, and Skyler got his right, so we flip flop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Bucks minus sixteen against Dallas. Dallas surprised me a lot, and mm-hmm. it was more of just thinking maybe Dak Prescott wasn't ready. And uh, even though I like Dak a lot, I felt like it was going to be a very tough game for him. But the O line held up, uh, and. Prescott and Mike McCarthy and whoever they're Kellen Moore, the Kellen Moore. coordinator, did a very good job of outlining the few Bucks weaknesses that they have. And that was that second corner spot. They went after Jamel Dean like seven plays in a row, and he just couldn't stop it one on one coverage. 
And so it was a close game, and I get mine wrong. Skyler had Iowa over Iowa State. I'm actually not too sure what the line was for that one, but Iowa it was about was five or 10. six. Iowa State was nine, and Skyler gets the job done. Yeah, and again, there. like I said last week, it doesn't look great on paper for bold prediction, but the college football playoff rankings last year had Iowa State number five. So, yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, this week, I have Dallas beating the Chargers. I won against Dallas last week, so I'm going to go for them this week. All right. I'm going to go with the Indiana Hoosiers over number eight, Cincinnati. They're playing this game in Indiana. Indiana already had their one big game where they got blown out. It was against Iowa on the road. Uh, Cincinnati hasn't played anyone here, maybe reaching, but Indiana has Michael Penix back from the injury. They've been running the ball great here with uh, Stephen Carr. Yeah, Stephen Carr was right. Okay. Stephen Carr. I don't like it, Skyler. I, <laughs> I know like you don't. It. It's going to be a tough one when Cincinnati wins uh, yeah. by 30. I believe this is a four-and-a-half-point spread last I looked. Not not paused on that, but I don't think it really matters. I'm going to take the Bengals to beat the Bears outright this week. Uh, I was impressed by the Bengals wide receiving core. Their defense held up better than I thought. And I'm not a believer in Andy Dalton. So I think not only do the Bengals take care of the Bears, but this will be Andy Dalton's last game as a starter, and we will see Justin Fields week three. With that third court, go ahead. Sorry. We get Ohio State quarterbacks eventually uh, in Fields, Burrow. I think the thing that scares me for the Bengals is that the Vikings didn't have a pass rush. And so we never really got to see that O-line get exposed of the Bengals like it was last year. The Bears, on the other hand, they have a damn pass rush. And they're not going to play around. So – when I see those two combinations, it makes me cringe for Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I uh, I don't like this situation with the Bears. Um, you know, Justin Fields coming in and running. No, he didn't run. He had the nine-yard uh, completion, right? And then Dalton oh, comes really? in and throws a pick the next play. Yeah. It's it's just – it throws off the rhythm. You know, I, I saw Mark – <laughs> Yeah, I saw Mark I Sanchez. Mean, Garoppolo also didn't have to come back in after after the touchdown because the yeah. possession was over. But, like, yeah, I feel like if you get into a point where you take a guy in, take a guy out, take a guy in, take a guy out, it just gets a little awkward. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't necessarily like, like, the wild card quarterback. You know, like, mm-hmm. we brought Trey Lance in for four snaps. The He ran the ball three times on read options. So those were three of his four play calls. The other one was a pass. I don't necessarily like that look. As an offense, I think if you bring in, you know, Trey Lance Field, you should, you know, look to utilize him in different ways besides just a wild cat, deep. you know, read option off, you know, yeah, yeah. mixing mixing a wrinkle. So and that's that's also a part of like like we the wildcat really was a thing. Uh, I mean, besides like Darren McFadden using it at Arkansas or whatever, uh, was Taysom Hill, and t- mm-hmm. while Taysom Hill is a quarterback, he's not as we saw the greatest actual quarterback. And that's why Jameis Winston is starting. But when you look at Trey Lance and you look at Justin Fields, these dudes were super high picks as quarterbacks. quarterbacks. So you don't have to, you know, shield the playbook. You can let it loose with these guys and and throw the ball deep, especially with these guys, because these guys have stronger arms than the starters. Mm -hmm. So you can chuck the ball deep to Darnell Mooney, or I guess Debo Samuel, if he's catching the ball deep this year. All right. But anyway, so uh, 
I watched a Mark Sanchez interview today uh, and they were talking about this situation with the bears and near the end of Mark Sanchez's run where it got really bad. They were doing dual quarterback stuff with him and Tim Tebow mm-hmm. and Sanchez would say, you know, I'd get the ball up second and short and then Tebow would run around on second down, get sacked. And then I would have third and long, you know, it, it just, it wasn't fair. It's either of them. So yeah, it's, it, it's not going to end well unless they pull the trigger real quick on either one of them. Well, I, I think Fields will start soon. He should. Lance, Lance, I don't know if he'll start soon. So I think the Lance situation will be more interesting. How, especially Shanahan, just because he's so egotistical, what he decides to do with that, how he decides to use it. I think, I don't think it's going to make or break the Niners season, but it could have, you know, a big effect on it. Yeah, of course. I think he has a relatively short leash, though, as far as like, like, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to absolutely suck one game and then just be the starter the next. I feel like if he sucks, Trey Lance is in. And obviously, same thing for Dalton, but I feel it's a little bit quicker time for like, oh, maybe Dalton has a couple bad drives. Let's bring in fields. Mm. I, I, right. I just think Jimmy's a lot better than Dalton. Yeah, and exactly. I, I know. Mm. I think Shanahan trusts Jimmy more than he lets on. I, I, I don't know. That's just my take as an Niner fan. I, I think Jimmy's leash is actually longer than people expect. Yeah. But that's going to do it for episode 53. I but love talking about year. football, guys. Yeah. It's Football's awesome. fun. I like football. Uh, so we'll do it again next Tuesday, shall we? Uh, for episode 54, in honor of Ian Tavares, because uh, mm-hmm. he loves the number 54 uh, in San Diego. Uh, Twitter, Macklets, or Mac Sports. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Mac Sports, YouTube, TikTok, Immaculate Sports. Go follow our Twitter, put on post notifications. Make sure to vote for the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week next week. Exactly. Uh, tweet our, our polls, steer picks, uh, and follow the games because we got a lot of stuff going on with those. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week. Go, Jets. Deuces. <laughs>